peace of Christ be with you. Let us gather by taking a few deep breaths to be centered in this place, made more aware of the presence of spirit here and now. Let's begin with prayer. Holy One, pour out your spirit on this place, on these, your people, that in this worship you might become present to us, that the yearnings of our hearts might become present to you. Amen. As we come to our time of discovery today, I was looking around my office here at the church earlier today, and I was noticing all the many things in my office that bring me joy. So I brought a few of them here into the sanctuary to show you. So the first is this one. This was actually a Christmas present this past Christmas from my son, Ben. And I don't know if you can see the words, they're a little hard to see on video, but what it says is, when words fail, music speaks. It's a quote from Shakespeare. Ben knows how much I love music, and he painted this for me uh, for a Christmas present. It brings me such joy, and it makes me so grateful for his thoughtfulness on a special holiday. The next thing I saw was this. Hold it up to the camera so you can see it. This actually is a little statuette of Doug Haneke, our pastor emeritus. Tell me, does that look like Doug to you? Well, it is. When I see this, I'm filled with joy and I'm so grateful for Doug's presence in my life and in my ministry. One more to show you. That's this picture, which is in my office. That's me and my dad, who is also a pastor. This is on the day of my ordination into ministry. And my dad and I got to serve communion together for the very first time. This picture fills me with joy, um, not only for my dad, but for that special day of my ordination. And I'm so grateful for my dad's presence in my life, for my ordination day, which was just so spirit-filled. Now, I had many more objects to bring, but I figured I should probably hold off. Um, but objects that remind me of our associate pastor emeritus, Barb Rowe. When I became the associate pastor, I took over her office space, and she left some knickknacks and trinkets that I still have that make me think of her. Other pictures of important family members. You know, gifts that people have given me, many of you, books and other things. Now, my office is a treasure trove of things that bring me joy, things that make me so grateful. And when I am filled with this gratitude, sometimes I just stop and I offer a three-word prayer. Thank you, God. I think sometimes when we think about praying, we think we have to sound really fancy or say all the right things, but prayer doesn't have to be like that. Prayer can be as simple as thank you, God, when we have a moment of joy or gratitude, just taking a moment to stop and say, thank you, God, 
Maybe you might try that this week. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. And now we'll move right into our time of prayer. I was just talking about prayer. And it's important when we pray together as a community to share with one another so we can be in prayer with one another and for our community. So if you have something to share, if you're watching on Facebook, just type it right into the comment section. Um, let us know throughout the week if you have a joy or a concern so we can pray with you. And so let's just take a few moments of quiet as you pray about whatever is on your heart today and then I will lead us in prayer together. So let us pray. Gracious God, you loved this world so much that you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, that we might have life Forgive us for those times when we keep that abundant life to ourselves, when we hoard your generous gifts, when we choose self-interest over compassion and justice. Teach us what it means to live as children of the light, generously sharing your abundance with our brothers and sisters. Open our minds and our hearts to both receive and offer your unfailing love. And hear us now, O God, as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
reading today is from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Listen for what the Spirit may be saying to you through these words. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which God loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raises us up with him, and is seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come God might show the immeasurable riches of God's grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
The gospel reading comes from the book of John, the third chapter, verses 14 to 21. Listen for what Spirit is saying to us right here, right now. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Humanity be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and the people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I've been binge watching a show. It's called The World's Toughest Race. 10 Days Across the Fijian Islands. It features open water paddling, stand-up board work, mountain biking, trekking across mud and rock and jungle, climbing ropes, rappelling from ropes, you name it, it has it in there. It's a grueling competition. As the host, as the TV puts it, TV show puts it, you sleep, you lose time. So some of the elite teams, it's a group race, will go 72 hours and might sleep just two. It's something. It's great motivation if you're looking to work out in front of something. I find it's also just as entertaining to sit and eat chips on the couch. Thankfully, these robes are forgiving. As you watch these racers from around the world, you can't help but wonder, how do they endure this? And more than endure, between the moments of misery, which are considerable, they wear on their faces expressions of undeniable joy. Well, today's gospel passage refers, alludes to an Older Testament story about a people on a grueling trek of their own. And if you don't know that Older Testament story, the gospel lesson will be somewhat lost on you. The stories of the Israelites recently freed from their slavery, their captivity in Egypt, and Moses leading them to liberation through the wilderness. But as the initial glee of freedom wears off and the suffering of the wilderness sets in, the people start to grumble, some of them at least, and complain. And some of them even go so far as to yearn for their former state, because at least captivity has predictability in its favor. This angers God, who sends fiery serpents to the people to bite and kill many of them. The others come to Moses and repent. They want to change their ways and make amends. 
And so God fashions or tells Moses to fashion a serpent of his own out of bronze and put it on a staff and hold it up so that anyone who sees it will be spared death. Notice it doesn't say they will be spared the bite of life, the pain that comes with their journey to freedom. The gospel story you see compares Jesus to this serpent that Moses raises up. And anyone who looks to him, sees him for what he is and recognizes what he is about, will be spared. Spared, but not spared from suffering. Perhaps rescued from death, but not rescued from all that life brings. Sadly, this passage is often used to threaten or coerce people to convert to Christianity, to somehow claim Christ out of fear, but that's clearly not the main thrust of the passage, which is meant to reassure people. It was written for people who had been forced out in some form or another, that they would indeed be okay. As it says, God did not send Jesus in the world to condemn it, but to save it, to rescue it. In this passage, Christ is referred to as the light. That's the image used. The light has come into the world. And yet some people have chosen to remain in the dark, overcoming to the light. Now we know some of the problems of using the light-dark metaphor in our particular time, but I do think we understand what the author is going for. Why would someone choose to remain in the dark the cold, harsh, dark when the warm light is awaiting and available. Well, I can think of two possibilities. The first is that they're dense, they don't get it, or even worse, they're corrupt or evil. It's possible, I suppose. Perhaps there are people like that. But the second option is far more interesting to me, and that is that choosing the light stepping out of the darkness where you can hide is hard. Working for your own liberation or the liberation of a people is hard. It's frightening. It's dangerous. Judging by the numbers, many of you watched the interview this past week of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And if you did, you'll know that even in the most privileged of places, it seems, there are people who feel trapped and people who experience real pain and real danger in seeking escape from that. And if it's true for them, how much truer must it be for all of us? Well, these biblical stories remind us time and again through image and metaphor and poem and teaching that in the midst of these journeys of our life, there is something or someone that goes with us to accompany us, maybe even, maybe even lead us whispering in our ears direction and guidance. In the passage, as I mentioned earlier, Christ is referred to as the light, uh, often used for God, but you could easily substitute spirit. In the biblical narrative, in the biblical narrative, spirit actually comes before light. It is the formless void that exists at the beginning, and it is 
a wind, a spirit, the breath of God that swoops down and brings form out of the formless and breathes life into the lifeless. And that spirit blows still through this world today, right here and right now. But it's not always so easy to notice. You have to practice. You have to practice trying to access this spirit that sort of flows through to change images, like a reservoir or a stream, to be able to access it and dip into it. When I say the two words of spirit and practice, the one name that comes to my mind instantly is Ted Scott, the Reverend Ted Scott, who has been serving faithfully this congregation as a parish associate, a largely volunteer pastoral role for years and years, more than a decade before I came, eight years ago. And you'll know Ted well if you've been a regular at the Wednesday class or a member of the Men's Connection or many of the groups he's facilitated in addition to his worship role here. And so you'll know what a loss that is for us, that he will be leaving. He and Arlene will be moving to Palo Alto to a retirement community. And this has all developed rather quickly, but we couldn't dare let it pass without stopping honor it, to pay homage to him and all that he has meant to this community of faith and to its leaders. We'll offer him a special blessing, and you'll hear from him after the sermon. But if you've been around Ted, he speaks constantly of spirit, you'll know. It's all about accessing spirit as individuals, as practitioners, and as groups. And Ted is somewhat of a guru when it comes to group, having groups having worked with in organizational change and, and group dynamics in his professional life. He's a master facilitator because he understands that if you can hold a group a certain way, if a group can hold itself in a certain way, it can open itself to something deeper, uh, a greater energy, a more compassionate spirit, a wisdom that is greater than the parts gathered it's quite a gift, but one has to learn to access this, this force that we can call spirit. And one does that through prayer and meditation, spiritual practice. And what this does is it keeps us from existing solely in our minds where many in circles such as these like to pitch their tents full time and sink down into our heart space or rise up to a greater consciousness. And that allows us to receive the world in all of its forms in a stronger and more fluid way. Spirit in that sense helps us accept what is, adapt accordingly, and endure what comes. I know it's easy to dismiss this spiritual stuff but it's quite practical for daily life. I've seen it work in people, people who experience suffering and in the moments between the misery exude joy. I've seen it in Ted. He came back from a skiing trip probably a couple years ago. 
had hurt his knee pretty severely to the point that it was clear it wasn't going to be repaired fully. Now that's quite a life-changing event. But watching Ted was remarkable. He just sort of accepted it. Okay, this is now my body. This is now what it can do. Adapt, and therefore I will do this and endure. It, it was quite something. But that's what spirit helps us do. Accept, adapt, endure, find joy, even in the pain. On that note, back to the show. It's full of human interest stories. I won't spoil all of them for you, so you, you can watch the world's toughest race on your own. I'll just share one. One of the American teams is making its way up a thousand foot falls using ropes with water all around them. And at one point it kind of levels out for a stretch and so one of the racers is stopped and talking to the camera as happens throughout the series. And he sort of looks around and sees how perfect the view is and knows that this is the right moment. And he tells a story about how his wife, a couple of years ago, had given birth to twins, their first children. Only one of them didn't make it. And they took to calling that one Baby B. How many people have a Baby B? Or a Baby C? But then a little while later, they decided to start calling it spirit. And about that time, he pulls out a little vial and he says, after the baby died and we had it cremated, since that time I've been carrying the remains all around on all my adventures in the world. Whenever I find a beautiful place, I stop and I spread a little around. And that racer does that right at that place, in that moment. And he says, I do this so that when the surviving brother grows up, we'll bring him around the world to all the places where we scattered the ashes. So he'll find spirit everywhere. And I suppose that's the point, isn't it? Amen. As I sit here today, I feel both sadness and gratitude. Sadness at the prospect of reducing ties with Westminster and this beloved community, which I've been part of for so many years and which has been so much of a blessing to me. And gratitude that this was so. My warm thanks and great debt that I feel for Rob and Bethany for the way in which they have generously included me as part of the ministry at Westminster. And gratitude that this beloved community is such a rich place for all of us. 
and that we so support one another and reach out and embody the best of spirit when we follow the spirit's leading. I do look forward to this next phase of my wife and I will be going to Palo Alto and joining a retirement community there. But always in my heart, I will carry this beloved community, the blessings that have been in this place. I hope not to be a stranger, but the future will be different. My thanks for each of you, and if I may, I would express a hope for myself, for each of you, and for our beloved community. And that hope is that we remember who we are. Remember who we most deeply are in the spirit. And when we do that, we tend to do and think and follow and seek the right things. That's my hope, my prayer. Many blessings to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a blessing upon Ted Scott. Bethany and I would prefer to do this together in tandem, but with COVID, it's just too hard to have us in the same place. But know this comes from both of us, for we have had a special benefit from having Ted, not just as a colleague, but in many ways as a mentor and guide. Ted, for many years, you have served this congregation in a variety of roles volunteering generously of your time, giving unassumingly of your wisdom, being a steady, sound, and grounded presence. And we are here today, but a portion of the congregation that has benefited from your leadership over the years, so we gather on behalf of all of them to say thank you. Thank you for persistence of vision, both in what you see and how you encourage us to have a vision, to share it and advance a special vision for this place. Thank you for your faithful and enlightening teaching, for inspiring participation in the groups you lead and leading in a way that holds the group and makes it a safe place to share, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be human. Thank you for stretching us, always with a gentle touch, helping us to be expansive in the way we think about and carry out our Christian calling. Thank you for being such a good counsel to Bethany and to me, someone to whom we could turn in confidence when we needed an ear, a conversation partner, or a deep pool of experience and expertise from which to draw. Ted, on behalf of the many lives that you have touched here, of staff present and past, we express our deepest gratitude and know and want you to know that you always have a place at Westminster. Let us pray. Gracious God, for the gift of Ted's presence at this church, we give you thanks. May he know our appreciation for him Bless Ted and Arlene in this next season, in this important transition. May they settle into their new community well, enjoy the exploration of doing so, and make good friendships. Let it be a time of richness and discovery, comfort and joy. In Jesus' name.
for our announcement time today, I want to let you know about our Holy Week schedule. Holy Week being that week from Palm Sunday to Easter, where there will be a lot happening in the life of the church. Palm Sunday, which is March 28th, we will have worship as usual, an online worship at 9 a.m. and in-person worship at 10 a.m. And then Maundy Thursday, where we will celebrate the Last Supper together. We will have a service on Zoom at 7 p.m. Good Friday, April 2nd, we will have a worship here in the sanctuary at noon. That will also be streamed on Facebook for those who would like to watch that at home. And then finally, Easter Sunday, three services here in the sanctuary, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., and a service, as usual, streamed at 9 a.m. That's a lot of details. Don't worry. That information will be appearing on our website. It will be coming out in the e-news. It will be posted on Facebook. Uh, there'll be lots of ways for you to see that information. But just wanted you to get a preview of what will be happening. In addition, we will have a window of time on Monday, Thursday in the evening and on Good Friday in the middle of the day for you to come at your, on your own to the sanctuary to experience the Stations of the Cross that will be posted around the sanctuary. Again, lots more information about that to come. Will you join me now in singing our closing hymn together? Hymn 754, Help Us Accept Each Other. Oh, mm -hmm. 
And now receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day.